Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Reverend Todd Laddick, and today I'm bringing to you part two of a seven-part series entitled Impossible, and today's message specifically being entitled Hope Made Possible, based off of Isaiah chapter 11, through verses 1 through 10. So let us dive into the Word today. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a branch, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together, and the, and, uh, the leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and a child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear, the cub and calf will lie down together, the lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my mountain, for as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. Amen. Emmanuel, God with us, gives us hope. When we know God, when we know God through Jesus, we can have hope that one day all will be restored. God knows I have felt lost and overwhelmed before. I can think of a time, well plenty of times honestly, where I have seen something unjust or wrong happening and I've had to address it. Yes, I, yet I know by addressing it there's going to be hell first before there is heaven, if you know what I mean. If, have you ever been there? where you know that addressing wrongdoing is the right thing to do, but you wonder what it will really accomplish. It will definitely get the person upset at you, and who knows where that will lead. And then, of course, in churches or families or communities where everyone, where everyone knows everyone else, what will everyone think when they hear about it? And let's be honest, they will hear about it. And they will talk about it. Even if you're in the right, and of course in this situation that I'm, I'm describing, you're in the right and you know you should do something about it, but you know that other people are going to have their opinions whether they're right about it or not. So in those situations, and thankfully they have been far and few in between, especially with me as a pastor, um, I can feel so helpless, so hopeless, like, no matter what way I choose, no matter what words I say, no matter how I try to approach this in a godly and loving way, it's still going to go south before it gets better, if it gets better. And that hopelessness can leave one feeling at a loss of peace and of hope. You can't sleep, 
You toss and turn at night. Your waking thoughts and energy are being put in a situation, no matter how it ends up turning out. And of course, it sometimes does work out the way you fear. No matter how it ends up turning out, you know that this is just going to be... You're you're just certain it's not going to be almost worth the aggravation of doing it, and yet you feel compelled to because it's the right thing to do. And so in these moments, I have turned to Jesus, and I, I don't mean just in prayer. Of course, that's where it always starts. But then God will put someone in my path, a confidant, a colleague, someone who has been there before and who has been through those times and can encourage and, if possible, offer advice along with just being present for support. We've all been there in situations where we have been overwhelmed or didn't have the answers we were looking for or lacked the hope that we could get through the challenge or challenges we were facing. And sometimes when we consider all of the injustices and oppressions that are occurring in the world, we can be driven to hopelessness and despair. It can leave us feeling like there's no point in trying to change the world. That no matter what little we do, we're just too small. That maybe we'd be better off just hoping, fingers crossed, things change. But yet we feel, yet we feel nothing we do will ultimately matter. And friends, fingers crossing, just hoping, is not true hope. In the midst of the overwhelming and hopeless, hopeless times, God is at work. The people who received this prophecy from Isaiah were living in fear of the Assyrian armies. And it must have been difficult to have hope with such a strong and unjust political enemy. These were people, by the way, who were coming in, much like Babylon. They were coming in from the north, I believe, is where the Assyrians were. They were coming in from the north down into Israel, and they were... they were. Um, taking over, kicking, you know, kicking some of the, the, the leadership out, taking over, intermarrying with the people there, destroying, uh, you know, religious places and yet building up, uh, you know, Assyrian temples. I mean, you're talking about some really, really bad stuff happening here. Uh, and, and sadly, not that much later, it happens in the South in Judah with Babylon. So you got, you've got a, you've got a divided nation where you've got a volatile enemy in the north and a volatile enemy in the in the east, and they're coming and attacking you within you know you know a hundred or so years of each other. I mean, it's just nuts. And so Isaiah chapter ten verses one through two describes some of what it was like. What a sor- what sorrow awaits the unjust judges and those who issue unfair laws. And that's the other thing. While these people took over, they led it they led the country the way they wanted to lead the country. Um, and I think of uh, you know, uh, King Ahab and, and uh, Jezebel and, and some of these other like Israeli nor- northern and it wasn't Israeli back then, but the people of Israel, the kingdom of Israel, um, <clears throat> the way they were uh, they were uh, being forced to follow these kings and queens that were just unjust and they got more and more unjust and then the Assyrians came down and took over and things just went to hell in a handbasket for the northern kingdom of Israel. And so Isaiah says, what sorrow awaits the unjust judges and those who issue unfair laws? They deprive the poor of justice and deny the rights of the needy among my people. They prey on widows and take advantage of orphans. Isaiah, speaking from God's perspective, asks the Assyrian army, What will you do on the day of punishment? To whom will you flee for help? 
Isaiah chapter 10, verse 3. Now imagine being the prophet, having to say this to the Assyrians. I want to talk about a hopeless situation. When a power like Assyria relies on a strong army, unjust rulers and manipulation to get their way, they will find themselves without hope when all of that crumbles. That's what Isaiah is saying. On the other hand, Isaiah offers hope to God's people who rely not on human tactics to get what they want, but who rely on God, trusting God will give them what they need. Where did the people of Israel and where do we turn for help and for hope? And for so long in the past, the northern kingdom of Israel has turned to its kings and its rulers and it and there was this division between it and the southern kingdom of Judah that, that sparked at the death of, uh, of King Solomon when his sons took over. And, and so, so the people were relying on their own rulers to lead them. And, and the rulers had forgotten that they were rulers because God put them in power. And so, again, where did the people of Israel and where do we turn to for help and hope when, when all seems lost? First, let us look at Mr. Rogers, the famous and beloved host of the children's TV show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And he once uh, advised children on the show this very thing. When I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. I'll read that quote again from Mr. Rogers. When I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. So let me ask this. Who is there to bring hope? Jesus offers us hope. And let's look at all of the qualities of, of the spirit described in Isaiah chapter 11 verses 2 to 3. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. In other words, it won't be a chore. He'll want to do it. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. Those friends, those are the qualities that belong to Jesus, my friends. They offer hope in the face of powers and events that seem impossible to endure. They contrast with the false uh, uh, sense of stability offered by the world. Jesus offers us hope and invites us to participate in it. And this is not a fingers, a, you know, a fingers crossed, across your fingers uh, type of hope. It's not simply a desire for something good to happen. It is a confident expectation that something good will happen, um, that something good will happen because God has promised it. Biblical hope indicates a trust in the Lord. We can live out that hope every day by embodying virtues of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might or strength and fortitude, knowledge, and, of course, fear of the Lord. And what is fear of the Lord? It doesn't mean shaking in your boots, scared of God. I mean, if the shoe fits, I guess maybe maybe some should be. But, but no, fear of the Lord means simply a knowledge and respect 
a knowledge and a respect or love for the Lord. In other words, you delight in obeying God. You you respect God so much that God is your rock. God is your knowledge. God is your counsel. God is your strength and fortitude. God is your wisdom and your understanding. God is the one providing you all of those things. Second, there is a plan for redemption at work that offers us hope. And the shoot that will come out of the stump of Jesse, uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, was expected to be, by the Israelites, it was expected to be a new political leader for Israel from the house of King David. It was political hope in the face of a political problem. Yet, as is so often the case in prophetic writing, Isaiah not only reveals the hope for their current situation, God also God also reveals through him a much larger plan for salvation. In Jesus, we see that like a tiny shoot growing up into a strong branch, a baby is given, a baby who is the hope for the world. Not just hope, but the hope for the world. Jesus is the hope for our whole lives and for all of creation. Finally, God has a redemption plan in place to right every wrong. The images the prophet uses are extreme and seem impossible in, in verses 6 through 8. The points, uh, this points to the fact that our hope is not in our own efforts, but can only be in God, for whom nothing is possible. Or for nothing, excuse me, for whom nothing is impossible. Also, Notice how expansive this redemption is. It's not just limited to Christians, but to religious people, to the to the just, uh, to the Israelites, or even just to human beings. It encompasses all of creation, not just a specific subsection of it. And just as redemption is for all creation, so is hope. Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him. As the body of Christ in the world, the church has a responsibility to signal, verse 10, bear or model hope to the world, to make people inquire or ask, where does that hope come from? We will confidently answer. Our help comes from Jesus, the root of Jesse. So let me ask you this. Have you ever witnessed examples of people in your life that have offered hope to you during overwhelming situations? How can you share that hope with others who are feeling hopelessness? In fact, I'd like you to act on it this week in response to Christ and the hope he has given you. That would be awesome, don't you think? Think about sharing hope with others who are feeling hopeless just in the way that Christ through others has shared hope with you. In our community, where can we as a congregation be the helpers as Mrs. (laughs) I guess Mrs. Rogers once said 
to a young uh, Fred Rogers. And what a, what a quote. There are always helpers out there. Find the helpers. Instead of looking at what is hopeless in a situation, look at what is filled with hope. The hope of Christ. The hope of Jesus. The root of Jesse. So in our, in our community, where can we as a congregation not only find helpers, but be the helpers that others can find in times of hopelessness? What is a source of hopelessness in Newton and our surrounding communities? There's homelessness, drug addiction, hunger, displacement, uh, domestic abuse. There's plenty of places that, that people are in hopeless situations in need of hope. And we are already providing to such people through providing vibrant worship, a safe space to worship, and Christian education opportunities through the Weekend Bag Program, through Treasures of Hope, through excellent community building concerts, and many other ways. But how can we expand what we are doing? Or if you are at another congregation, what ways are you being hope for people and providing hope for people, bringing the hope of Christ into their lives so that they're... That their hopelessness ceases what ways are you doing that what are the needs you see as you walk down the street around your neighborhood and what are you going to do to bring those people to our family so that we can provide hope to those in need let us as a congregation see our own communities as a mission field where we, as those who came before us, can provide people with the true hope of God, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we just thank you and praise you for this opportunity to be here today and to be, you know, to be worshiping you and to be hearing what, what words you have to say to us. Help us to reflect and to signal the hope that is in you to all people we come in contact with. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, friends, as always, it is a blessing to have you here. If you can, check out the episode links. And uh, if you can give, that'd be great. Um, but always remember, you are richly blessed so that you may be a blessing to others. Go in peace. Go in peace.